There's a strength in Jesus. It's an incredible thing. In the hardest, darkest moment, you have a resolve within you, a tenacity within you. Strength that the world just, they can't even comprehend. They, they can't even understand, like, what is going on? And yet, you can be at a service or services like we were yesterday. See the strength of people who love Jesus. Again, I'd say, aren't you just so thankful for Jesus? Can you imagine walking through what you've walked through without Jesus? We're in the book of Revelation. Well, that's a doozy. Wow. That's a, what a book that. I actually asked Ava yesterday. I said, Ava, I said, um, I want to go through a book of the Bible with you. We'll read it every night. What book would you like to read? Guess what one she picked? She picked Revelation. So here we go. <laughs> that's going to be fun. But right at the through, but look at this. Chapter 1. We're told Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the Word of God. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, to him who has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that incredible? It says he loves us. It says he frees us from the slavery of sin. It says he makes us a kingdom of priests. Again, aren't you thankful for Jesus, church? Later on, uh, chapter 5, we, we read this just a couple days ago. John writes this. He goes, I looked up and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousands. They encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. I love that it says in a loud voice because I grew up in a church. I don't think you could be loud in that church. Like, it's just, shh, young man, we're in church. But it says in a loud voice. Church, would you say it with me in a loud voice? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, say it with me, church, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Wow. The four living creatures said the Amen. Let it be. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Again, aren't you thankful for Jesus today. The past few weeks, a few different words have risen up in my spirit, and I felt like I was supposed to share them with you today. I I don't think they're just for me. I think they're for us as a church. Uh, If you take notes, or if you can take notes, I would encourage you to even write these down. I think they're words that you can hold on to uh, next few weeks. The first one is this, and, and number one, I hear again and again to trust and obey. To trust and obey. Trust the Lord. This is a season of trusting Him, right? Trusting the Lord. But I'd include, this is also a season of obeying the Lord, of obeying His commands. Obey the Lord. So, church, this isn't a season of us to be running into sin. This isn't a season of us to be drinking more or, or being promiscuous or or running towards pornography or, or whatever those things. This isn't a season for 
chasing after possessions or money or experiences, whatever that thing is, this isn't that season. But you will be tempted to run after those things. Again, I'm a pastor. I walk with you. I, I understand that the, all of you, there's a temptation to run after those things, to satisfy your the emotions, the, the things that you're walking through, everything that you're processing. I get that. And you're, you're trying to just survive. And I understand that as well. But as much as you can, today, if that's you, if you've been running to anything other than Jesus, this is a fresh day of His grace and His mercy. This is a beautiful day I'm speaking. This is the best moment ever to turn from anything other than God. To turn away right here, right now, that you would turn, that you would repent. His kindness leads you to repentance. It's His love and His compassion, His grace. He says, come back to me, child. Come back to a place of following hard after me. There is no reason. I want you to hear your pastor clearly today. There is no reason for you to continue in that rebellion or to continue in that sin today. He he sets you free. On the cross, He sets you free. You can turn to the Lord. You can receive His forgiveness and you can follow hard after Him. Church, you can do this by the strength of the power of God and obey. I am tired of that fatalistic attitude that just says, well, it's all going up and it's just a big, you know, whatever. And we might as well eat, drink, and be merry. Stop it. We're Christians. Trust and obey. No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sing it again. Second word I've heard is actually a scripture. First Thessalonians chapter five, sixteen through eighteen. It's kind of funny because the Lord gave me this one, and then if you've gone to the bathroom here, which you don't really need to tell me that's TMI, but if you have gone to the bathroom, you'll notice that the scripture in the stalls is 1 Corinthians 5, 16, 18. So uh, I discovered that one this week. Again, I won't tell you how, but First uh, Thessalonians, let's say it together. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Because, again, things are going down, and, and it's not okay. Like, we don't have to be happy about the things that are happening. There's tough stuff going on. I hear this stirring in my spirit, yeah, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit. He's just reminding me of the Word of God. Everybody else is having scriptures brought back to mind, reminding you of who and whose you are. He's just bringing these words back to you. Dan, rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Come on. Rejoice, rejoice and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. 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 Rejoice in the Lord. And then pray continually. Pray continually. Do not give up on prayer. Receive our prayer request. It's heavy, right? And it goes again and again and again and again. And yet, what I love about our church, next one comes in and we say, okay, well then be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Next one comes in, okay, well then be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Okay, next one comes in. All right, let's go. Let's gather together. In the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, someone told me the other day, they're like, you know, it's kind of depressing, like how many prayer requests we're getting in, you know, to the church. I said, no, I think it's kind of, it means that people actually works. If you didn't think it would work, you wouldn't have sent it in in the first place. But we believe in a God who answers prayers. Keep on sending in those prayer requests, church. We're going to see God move. Do not give up on the Lord. Pray the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And give thanks in all circumstances. That's what First Thessalonians says. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen. 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 All right. And then the third thing I heard, and again, he spoke to my heart again and again and again the last few weeks, is just your faith. <laughs> Where is your faith? Do you remember when the disciples were on that boat with Jesus? We love this story, right? Luke chapter 8, the storm's coming in, and do the disciples handle themselves well during that scene? No, they start freaking out. They absolutely freak out. And and you hear preachers preach on this, and we give them on this one. But, you know, like, man, you're with Jesus. Like, why are you freaking out? But if you look at verse 23, it actually tells us why they're freaking out. Verse 23, and I, I don't have this one, but it says that they're afraid because the boat is filling with water and that they're in danger. Water, And they're not just afraid that it might get dangerous. Church, listen. The boat is filling with water. And they're in danger. You don't have to give me hands on this one, but does anybody feel like your boat is filling up with water and that you're in danger? And so instead of shaming these guys, maybe we relate a little bit with these guys. Again, this isn't a made-up fear, a made-up anxiety. Their boat is filling up with water and they're in real danger. So what do you do? Well, Jesus is sleeping, if you remember. Jesus has taken a nice little nap. Verse 24, this is what Luke writes. The disciples went, and they woke him up. <laughs> you can imagine. If you've ever woken someone up before, it's like, Master, Master, we're perishing. He gets up. I love Jesus. Oh, man, I love Jesus. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the raging water. And what happens? It worked, right? It worked. It subsides and all is calm. But then, but then, church, and I want you to hear this today. I want to challenge you with this. As he's been challenging me, I want to challenge you. He looks to the disciples. He looks into their eyes and he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? I've heard him say that to me again and again and again these past few weeks. By the way, not to condemn me. He's not mocking me. He's not ridiculing me. He's not shaming me out of his love for me. He believes. I mean, did you know that the Lord believes in you? He loves you. Like, He made you. Like, He doesn't make junk, right? He makes beautiful things. You're fearfully, wonderfully made, and He loves what He's put inside of you, and He's so excited to see that come out. And so He's not saying these things to shame you. He's saying these things because He loves you, and He wants to remind you of who you are. Where's your faith? And then you say, oh, that's right. I am a person of faith. Lifespring, you are a people of faith. 
Yeah, it might have been tough. It might be hard. Yeah, there's ups and downs. But you just need to put your name in that right now. Say, no, I, put your name in there. I, Daniel Allen Birch, am a person of faith. That's who we are, church. That's who we are when the boat is filling up with water. We're people of faith. When we're in danger, we're a people of faith. That is who we are. Those Christians in Afghanistan, they are people of faith. The Christians that have had to walk through the wildfires in California, the aftermath of the hurricane up the whole East Coast, they are people of faith. Tammy and Hannah, praise the Lord. I love what Tammy said today. They are people of faith. Our dear friends, Cindy Keller, Stephen Haggard, Spirit and Truth Foursquare, Harvest Foursquare, every one of them, they are people of faith. You and I, right here, right now, declare it. We are people of faith. You know, I, I said this in an email this week, and, and we sang It Is Well last Sunday, and I said that as we sang It Is Well, I said, I saw and I heard your faith. So once again in faith, let's pray to the Lord. Let's pray to the Lord. Some of you maybe just need to out, stretch out your hands. Some of you maybe bow, close your eyes, whatever you need to do. But we're going to pray to the Lord. We're praying right now, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you would calm this storm. That you would silence the enemy. That you would silence any weapon formed against us. And you would bring your peace. Lord, we pray healing over every person who's sick in this place. Healing, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for anyone that is just struggling and in distress, discouraged, or depression, that you would deliver them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would call those that are far from you, call them home right now in the name of Jesus. That the lost would be found today in the name of Jesus. That the blind would receive sight today in the name of Jesus. Lord, reveal yourself once again to the nations. Would you just show us your glory? Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory. May thousands upon thousands fall on their faces upon you, Lord. Uh, would they just put their hope, their salvation in you, Lord? I just sensed it earlier this week. You told me so clearly that we don't need to be saved from a storm. We need to be saved from our sins. And Lord, right now, people are praying the wrong prayers, Lord. I just pray right now that you wouldn't just save us from a storm, but you would save us from our sins, that our nation would be saved, Lord, that you would rescue us, deliver us, that many sons and daughters would fall on their faces, repent, turn to you, God, and ask and receive the eternal life that is found in you and you alone. May this be a season of life, not death, but life. People brought into eternal life and your everlasting kingdom in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. You know, in the midst of, all, of it all, I've definitely been searching for people of faith to partner with, to link arms with, uh, to encourage them, but also be encouraged by them. It's so good to have my friend Jesse Churchill in the house. You guys know him. He was the former pastor at North Hill Adventist. Come on, you got a wave or something. Yeah, there he is. One of my best friends in all the world. Praise the Lord for Jesse and Chloe and their daughter. Praise the Lord. And they just make you happy, right? I just, I love you. You're so good. And handsome, by the way. Very handsome. But another one of those people of faith is our very own Pastor Laura ran out, and she has been such an encouragement to me. I, I know that she's been an encouragement to you, but would you uh, please welcome her to the stage? I asked her just to share a few things. So welcome Pastor Laura Ranow. 
Sorry, guys. Masks and earrings and long hair and microphones that go over the ear. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Um, many of you might know that I'm, that I'm currently in school. And recently I, I just completed a Greek class. Woo is right. Woo. Um, it was pretty intense. People ask me, well, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like drinking out of a fire hose. That's pretty much how I felt every week. Um, and let me just say that I have not advanced any mastery of speaking the Greek language. Um, I can say hero and baklava really well. Um, and that's about it. But, but my class wasn't on learning how to speak Greek but on understanding word structure um, of ancient Greek. And learning the structure helps us to understand the meaning behind why New Testament authors said what they said. And one of the verses we had to break down for, this pro- for our project that I was doing is one that I've actually been wrestling with ever since. And it's James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials of many kinds. This verse has rested so heavy in my heart because I can look around this room and look at almost each one of you and think of the trial that you have walked through or are currently walking through. This has been a hard season for so many. Yet when I was praying about what I was supposed to share this morning, over and over, the Lord whispered to me, consider it all joy. And you know how Jesus gave his disciples nicknames in the Bible, like, you know, Peter was the rock, and James and John were sons of thunder? I think if Jesus was to give me a nickname, I think he would look at me and say, Laura, the one who argues. Because I am a professional at arguing with what the Lord is telling me to do. And I have been arguing with him about this message. Because the last thing I want to do is stand here and say, well, just consider your trials all joy. Like, buck up, little beaver, everything's going to be okay. And somehow have you think that your trial and all the emotion that accompanies those trials are somehow not valid. And quite honestly, trials are usually the last thing I even want to think about, let alone with joy. But what the Lord has shown me is that James did not write this to trivialize what trials people walk through. James is not wanting us to go around glibly saying, oh, just be happy and everything will be okay. He wants us to know about how there is hope for believers walking through trials. God will prove himself through our trials, and his promises are real and true. So I want to take a look at the first part of these verses, and these passages start with, consider it pure joy. And in some translations, we see, consider it all joy. So because I just finished this Greek class, I'm going to go a little Bible nerdy on you, if that is okay. Um, Because I want to talk about the meaning and the implications behind some of these words. Because I think it really helps us to walk through this and understand what 
James wanted his audience to know. And one thing that's important to understand is that most people in ancient Israel or Greece or Rome would not be able to read, or it would be really limited on what they could read. So it was a very oral society. More than likely, James's letter would have been read out loud to a group of people, probably in a house church of some kind. So because it was being delivered orally, it was really important for James to say things in certain ways so people could easily understand the message. And this first word, consider, is really interesting when we dig into it. And sometimes we see the word esteem here, esteem it all joy. And this word means to think about or regard something as something else. Okay, to think about or regard something as something else. So James is saying here, consider trials as joy. It's not the kind of consider like, well, I am considering whether to go to Ranchitos after church today or maybe the mill. It's not that kind of consider, right? It's to think about your trials as something totally different than a trial. To think about it as joy. And not just joy, but all joy. And so that Greek word there for all, you know what that means? Yeah, it means all. All of it. So every single trial we experience, we are to regard them as joy. And notice that he doesn't say, if you face trials. In verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's whenever you face trials, because we all, as we all know, it's inevitable. Trials are going to happen. And the form of the word trials that James uses means it's something that is going to happen repeatedly. So he is saying, you are for certain going to face trials, and they are going to happen over and over and over again. So that concludes my encouraging message for this morning. Thank you for coming. Uh, <laughs> no, it's hard, right? It's hard. It's a hard thing to contemplate. But I think all of us can say that throughout our life, we have experienced trials of many kinds. But another thing that is interesting in the use of the word consider in this sentence, that it's actually a command by James. In fact, in these three verses, this passage, there are more command words than in the entire letter of James. James really wanted his audience to pay attention and to do this. He wasn't merely suggesting that we consider trials joy. But he is in essence saying, you must consider trials joy. But why? Why is thinking about trials as joy something that James is saying that we must do? Because the testing of our faith produces perseverance, James says. Well, if you're walking through a trial, you might be wondering, What? Be joyful in the midst of your pain because it produces perseverance? You might be thinking, is perseverance worth it? So to understand what James means here, we need to first understand joy. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is something that comes about from external circumstances. You could be happy with where you live, 
but not happy with the color that your spouse chose, chose to paint the house with. Right? You can be happy that you go out for ice cream, but not happy when you discover that you are lactose intolerant. Happiness is, of course, good. It's good to be happy. But happy is temporal. What James is talking about here is joy. The joy James is talking about is the feeling that is dependent on who Jesus is rather than what is going on around us. Joy comes from walking with the Holy Spirit, abiding in God's presence, and receiving it from the hope found in his word. When we discover true joy that is found in Jesus alone, that is where we find comfort and peace. We can consider it all joy in our trials, but only if God gives us the hearts of joy. And that is where faith comes in. Jesus says in verse 3, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith. Notice he doesn't say your trial creates faith. If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have faith in who God is, then the trial you are walking through isn't going to create the faith you don't have. I am sure we have all seen people who don't know the Lord walking through trials, and you've seen that desperation that that creates in them. It's because they don't have the hope that faith in Jesus brings. Faith is the key to producing endurance, not the other way around. When we walk through a trial, sometimes all we have left is Jesus. And where there doesn't seem like there's any way to move forward, it is our faith in knowing who God is that gives us the strength to persevere, to endure. Our endurance is rooted in our faith and our hope of our salvation through Jesus. And we can see the evidence of how being rooted in this faith creates endurance with people all throughout Scripture. Let's think about David and the trials that he faced throughout his life. He was chased by the king that he wanted to serve. He lost his best friend. He lost several children. But we read this in the Psalms. When anxiety was great within me, Your consolation brought me joy. We see Habakkuk, who had been struggling with how God's people were behaving against God, but Habakkuk was also struggling because the Lord was going to send the Chaldeans to go in and just punish the sins of Judah, which he felt was a far worse fate. He feared that the country would just be wiped out. But he comes to realize that no matter how bad things got, he would glorify the Lord and rejoice in him. And he says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer and enables me to tread on the heights. And Paul, who walked through persecution, shipwrecks, illness, physical torture, and eventually faced execution for his faith, 
says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Oh, thank you so much. Jeremy saw the struggle was real for me too. So considering it all joy develops perseverance. Growing in perseverance means that we are developing, finding contentment in Christ above all else. We are surrendering to his will instead of trying to do things on our own. And I want to share with you a story about my uh, middle son, our middle son, Brendan. Brendan, you would label him kindly as the adventurer. So I'm sure all of you have either said this to your children or had it said to you, um, if all your friends went and jumped off a bridge, would you do it? So Brendan's answer would be yes. And Brendan's answer would also be, he's the kid that's telling your kid to go jump off the bridge with him. Um, not out of malice, just that's because who Brendan is, right? He's just adventurer and risk and challenge. And um, it's come for full circle because our granddaughter, Madison, is just like him. She's two. And she FaceTimed me the other day, and she goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, Madison, no more. Be careful. <laughs> and Brendan was like, in the background, yes, Madison, you will be careful. And she goes, yeah, yeah, Madison, no more. Be careful. So um, <laughs> it's come right back around. <laughs> But in our old neighborhood, um, there was, we lived out in Buckley, and there was a big hill at the back of the neighborhood. And Brendan's best friend, Brandon, lived at the bottom of this hill. And so the kids would find whatever had wheels went down the hill, right, on skateboards and bikes and all the things. The challenge was to go down the hill. Now, I'm not exactly sure how this all transpired, but these two young men decided it would be really cool if they could ride a couch down the hill. And it was in that moment after hearing the story, I was very thankful that our house was not at the bottom of the hill because they decided to take Brandon's mother's living room couch down the hill. Um, No parents were home, let me just say, at this time this occurred. So they take it out to the garage, they unscrew the wheels off their skateboards, screw them to the bottom of the couch, and roll this couch up to the top of the hill. Um, They did wear helmets, you know, because safety first. And they jump on this couch, and it goes barreling down the hill. And apparently it was glorious. They just whooshed down this hill and got to the bottom. And yes, it was amazing. So they decide to do it one more time. And they take this couch back up to the top of the hill, and they jump on, and it goes down. But the trip wasn't as smooth because their wheels caught the edge of a speed bump that was in the middle. And their couch did a 180-degree barrel roll, flinging them, of course, out, and all of them tumbled and rolled to the bottom of the hill. Luckily, there were no broken bones involved in this, but the couch didn't fare as well as the children did. So what do teenage boys think when they're looking at this living room couch? Well, put it back, of course, because the mother will never notice. She came home shortly after. She noticed. The boys survived the wrath of Brandon's mother that day. And one of the things in her scolding she told them is that if you would have just asked me, I would have gone up to Goodwill and got you a couch to use. 
if they would have just went to Brandon's mom, she would have equipped them in a way that did not destroy her living room furniture. And I think sometimes we tackle trials in the same way. We think we just have to get through something so we don't go before the Lord to get equipped properly. We're just going to handle it ourselves so we jump on and we just hang on. And maybe we make it down the hill the first time. But then the next trial comes and we just jump on and try it again. We're just going to power through. But we're not okay. We crash and we burn and we wreck our hearts and maybe the hearts of others around us as well. In order for trials to develop our faith, we must rely on the one in which our faith resides. And when we are barreling down the hill of that trial, when things seem out of control the most, is when we need to release our control and surrender it all to the Lord. We need to say, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I don't understand this, but I trust that you do. We take the faith that saved us, the faith that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and we use that faith to trust that he will provide the way to walk through it. And we know that the Lord will walk with us every step of the way. And does considering it all joy mean we don't grieve or get frustrated? No, of course not. And sometimes I've heard this verse used in that way. Well, just consider it all joy. Like somehow you're not following the Lord if you're sad or frustrated or grieve. And that's not the intent of this verse at all. We can see through Scripture that people grieve. Back in the Psalms again with David, we hear him say, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and my soul and body with grief. These are the words of a man crying out to the Lord in his grief, in his sorrow. God does not expect us to walk through trials without sorrow. But we are not to get lost and taken over by that sorrow or anger or bitterness. Because our sorrow is tempered with hope. God is asking us to look at what is happening differently than the rest of the world sees it. He is asking us to look through the lens of joy. And it's the joy of the Lord that gives us hope. And the scriptures are full of hope. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. And peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Hebrews it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And Jesus says this in John. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. We are called to walk differently than the world, and the world thinks that joy cannot exist in hardship. But our joy doesn't come from anything that the world has to offer. It comes from knowing the character of who God is. When we begin to look at situations the way God sees them, 
that they are full of His presence. And in His presence is fullness of joy. Then our anxieties lessen, our endurance increases, and fear gets replaced with joy. God also doesn't ask us to walk through our trials alone. It is within our community of believers that we can find the love and the support that helps us to consider our trials through the lens of joy. Lori Koval and Debbie Kuykendall and Cindy Keller and I have been in a text group together for a couple years now. And I call them my song sisters because we text each other different worship songs all the time. And so often someone will sing, uh, send a song that just speaks right to what someone is walking through. And we have prayed for each other through the trials that we have faced. And like Pastor Dan said, you heard that Cindy in just this last week lost her sister Carolyn to COVID. And of course, Debbie lost her dear husband, Alan, whose life we will celebrate next Saturday. These women are prayer warriors. And to see them rise up and consider it all joy when faced with some of the worst trials that people walk through builds my faith. And I wanted to share with you a verse that Debbie recently texted to our group. And this is the Passion Translation, and it's Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. So it is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. This is the truth that we cling to, that his promises do not change. We find our strength and the endurance to persevere through him. He is our anchor of hope. He is the light in the darkness. And when God changes our hearts and we walk on the firm foundation of our faith, we will have the eyes to see where our pain is going. We will see that Jesus shows himself to us more profoundly in our trials and that he changes everything. We realize that it doesn't matter if everything is perfect here because this world is not our home. Our hope is not in the things of this world. With the steadfastness found in God alone, we will be able to consider it all joy, even when our world is crashing down around us. And this steadfastness, this perseverance, doesn't reverse the trials that we face, but produces the perseverance and courage in spite of the trials that we face. This endurance, is what develops our maturity in Christ. 
When we become mature as believers and secure in our identity in Christ, we are no longer focused on ourselves because we have grown to a point where we look beyond ourselves, put our faith into action, and love others through the same trials we are facing with the love of Christ moving us forward. If I could have the worship team come up, um, I'd like to end with a story. And you may or may not be familiar with the name Horatio Spafford. And you could say that Horatio was someone who was very familiar with the trials life brings. He was a successful attorney and real estate investor who lost a fortune in the great Chicago fire of 1871. And around that same time, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England. And although Horatio had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife, Anna, that he would join her and their children in Europe later. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship Horatio's family was on was involved in a terrible collision. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with them and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, their ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing in a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage, and it was Anna, still alive. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone. What shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England, and at one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him, that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. And as Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind, and he wrote them down. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We cannot always say that everything is well in all aspects of our lives. There will always be storms to face. But with faith in a loving God and with trust in his help, we can confidently raise our hands and say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Yeah. We're going to sing our closing song, and it's Communion Sunday. So we want to make some space for people to come and take communion and just sit in the Lord's presence this morning. Just reflect and thank Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross because we do have that hope of eternal life. So up front we have communion set up. So during the song, please come forward and take communion. 
And if you feel led to stand up here and pray, please do or take a seat in one of the front seats and just sit and spend some time with the Lord this morning. Please do. I'd also like to invite our prayer team up at this time too. Because if you are walking through a difficult time right now, please let us pray for you. There is power in prayer. Like Pastor Dan said, we love seeing these prayers come in because it means that people believe that prayer works. Prayer works. So let us pray life and joy and strength over you. You do not walk through this alone. God is with you. He sees you. And as a community of believers, we want to stand with you and pray over you. So during this time, please also come and let us pray for you. Church, as we face trials, we must pray. We must pray together for faith and for our hearts to be steadfast. We must seek after God, submitting ourselves to Him and standing on the promises that He will never leave us or forsake us. We must pray for a continual filling of the Holy Spirit so His fire burns within us. And we must pray for the joy to truly believe that Jesus is enough. And one day, we will stand before our Savior and we will know then that perseverance was worth it. That Jesus is worth it.